You know, as followers of Jesus, we try to be like Him in all that we do. We try to be more like Him every day of our life. You know, Jesus said in Luke 19.10, He said that He has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And you know, we've been, we've been studying through the book of John uh, on Sunday mornings in our Bible class and on Wednesday night in our Bible class. And, if, and a few weeks back, we talked about the Samaritan woman at the well, Jesus' interaction with her in John chapter 4. And so tonight, as we've thought about those things, we've studied those things, tonight I'd like us to maybe look at some practical ways that we can apply how can we share the living water that Jesus offers with others? How can we do that? So first of all, as we think about this, and I hope you have your Bibles, and you'll go with me to John chapter 4, as we look at what Jesus does here and how we can learn from what He does. First of all, in thinking about how can we share the living water with others, Jesus teaches us, as we look at this chapter, that we must associate with those who need to hear the gospel. Jesus there in John chapter 4, he comes and he sits near this well and the woman comes, verse 7, to draw water and Jesus says to her, give me a drink. Jesus is there and he sits there and he interacts with her. He associates with her. Later on in this chapter in verse 40, not only with her but also with this whole city, says, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Jesus associated with those who needed to hear the gospel, who needed to hear about this living water that he was offering. In fact, Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and verse 2 tells us that Jesus ate, he associated with tax collectors and with sinners. In the New Testament times, the tax collectors were those, the, the Jews really looked down on those folks. They, they basically put the tax collectors in the group with the worst of the sinners because they worked for Rome and they really viewed them as a traitor, a traitor to their country, a traitor to their people, really even a traitor uh, in the eyes of God is how they looked at these folks. Jesus associated with these people. So today as we think about that, and we think about putting this in practice in our life, today, what, what might, might this look like today? Well today, uh, this might look like uh, inviting our neighbor, or inviting that coworker over for a meal, or, or maybe spending time with them, even though maybe that person has had, uh, they have had a very rough life. It's spending time with people like that. People who need to hear the gospel. Associating ourselves with people. Even as Jesus spent time with this Samaritan woman who was on her fifth or sixth relationship. Live, had lived a very rough life. Even by the Samaritan standards. But Jesus took time to associate himself with her. So when we think about associating with those who need to hear the gospel, we need to take time and spend time with those, even those that we may think, as perhaps even Jesus' disciples did in verse 27. Why 
they thought. Why are you talking with her? Or what do you seek? When we think about these people, when we think about those who need to hear the gospel, we need to spend time with them. Jesus spent time with this woman. We must associate with those who need to hear the gospel, first of all. Second of all, we also learn from Jesus in this section that we must engage others in spiritual conversations. In this chapter, it's so interesting as Jesus has this conversation with this woman. And first of all, they're talking about physical water. You know, they're thirsty. She's coming to draw physical water. They're needing a drink. Jesus turns the conversation from physical water then to the spiritual living water that he was offering. Uh, and, And all through this chapter, as they're having this discussion, Jesus continues to turn the conversation back to a a spiritual matter. He he directs her attention to what God offers. He directs her attention to the sin in her life. He directs her attention to the kind of worship that's pleasing to God. And eventually he directs her attention that the one that she was looking for, the Messiah, the Christ, he was the one that she was looking for. So today we think about that. And can we do that today? Can we take a conversation that, you know, is just about ordinary, maybe everyday matters and move it to something spiritual? One thing that came to mind is what this might look like today is something that really we honestly hear quite a bit. Maybe something along the lines of this. You know, you're having a conversation with a friend or a coworker or or somebody you know and <coughs> And the the conversation turns to, you know, boy, our country sure is a mess today, isn't it? Things are a mess. We have those conversations all the time with folks. And that's a great window of opportunity to say it sure is, no doubt about it. I'm glad that no matter what happens, that Jesus is on the throne and ruling over his kingdom. And then maybe even ask them, say, did you know, do you know about Jesus' kingdom? And see where the conversation goes. That's just one example, but take things that people are thinking about and that are on their minds right now and direct their attention to something spiritual that maybe ties into what they're thinking about. For example, this woman was there to draw water. She was thirsty. She needed water. Jesus relates to her. Jesus was thirsty too. And he also then offered her living water. So what she was there for, Jesus then takes that and talks about what he was offering. So be looking for those windows of opportunity that you have. You know, another, what this also might look like today is, you know, we come in contact with people all the time, the folks you work with, your friends, your family. And sometimes the conversation will turn to the troubles that they're having, the difficulties that they're going through. Uh, And that's a perfect opportunity to sympathize with them. You know, let them know, you know, you've been in those situations before too. You've been down some of those same roads yourself. And then turn turn it to, but I found one who has helped me with those things. I have found the one who has forgiven me of those. And see where that conversation goes. If we will take things that 
people have on their minds in our world today and lead them toward Christ in, in conversation, uh, it, it will be helpful. And it will help generate those conversations with people and help get people to thinking about things of a spiritual nature. So we need to associate with those who need to hear the gospel. Uh, we must uh, engage others in spiritual conversations. Also, and this is an important one, we must hold out hope for salvation. You know, Jesus knew that the Samaritan woman, he knew she was a sinner who had lived a rough life. And yet, even though he knew that, Jesus held out hope for this woman's salvation. <coughs> Otherwise, if he hadn't, have, why was he talking to her? Since God continues to hold out hope for everyone's salvation, and we know that from multiple passages, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4 is one of them, uh, talking about God, as he says, who desires all men to be saved, everyone to be saved, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. God wants everybody to be saved. God is holding out hope that these people might be saved. The second Peter 3 verse 9 tells us that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's long-suffering. He doesn't want anyone to be lost. So when it comes to holding out hope for salvation, I guess you could say uh, God is, a, is an optimist. God is holding out hope that they will obey the gospel. And, you know, what might that look like for us? Well, today, you know, that might look like not giving up on that, on that friend or that family member or that co-worker or that neighbor that you've known all these years. It might look like not giving up hope uh, that, and, and you've been trying to bring them to Christ for years. It might look like not giving up hope for that individual. Continuing to hold out hope for their salvation. And you know, in those matters, it can become easy to become discouraged. You know, it can become very easy, in fact, to become discouraged in, in talking with someone and, uh, and, you know, bringing these things to their attention. But continue to hold out hope that they might be saved. Know that God is long-suffering. Know that God wants them to be saved. And continue to hold out for that hope that they will obey the gospel. Don't give up. Uh, if, if someone that you have had conversations with in the past, perhaps you've grown discouraged, uh, perhaps you feel like the situation is hopeless, don't give up hope for that individual, but continue to hold out hope, continue to do what you can to encourage them either to come back to Christ or to obey the gospel. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give in. Don't get discouraged. So we must hold out hope for salvation, just as Jesus did with this woman here in this chapter. Also, just as Jesus did in this chapter in John 4, we must help them to confront their sins. You know, in John 4, verse 16 through 18, Jesus says to the woman, Go, call your husband, and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. Before the Samaritan woman could be saved, 
before she could accept the living water that Jesus was offering, she first had to recognize that she needed what he was offering. She first had to recognize her own sinfulness. She had to realize, as far as her standing with God, she had to realize where she was. You know, you think about the crowd on the day of Pentecost. After Peter had preached that sermon and, and he had shown that Jesus is both Lord, he's Master, and he's Christ, he's the Savior, it says the crowd there in Acts 2.37 that they were pricked in their heart after they heard Peter's sermon. They recognized what they had done. They recognized the sin that they had in their life. You know, for us today, in thinking about, all right, what might this look like for us today in these conversations we have with others? You know, this might look like helping someone to see that they have sin in their life and that they need to be forgiven of it. You know, sometimes I guess we may assume I think it's easy sometimes to assume that uh, either someone doesn't care about the way they're living or uh, they, they don't have any idea that it's wrong. And perhaps both of those things are true. But we need to help people to see from what God has said that they have sin in their life, that they need to be forgiven of. And that with that sin in their life, they do not stand right before God. We need to help them to see that. And as Peter did in Acts 2 verse 38, not only help them see it, you know, don't just help them to see that they have sin in their life and then leave them hanging there, so to speak, but help them to see that and then show them how to be forgiven of that sin in their life. You know, show them the need they have and then show them and here is what, if you will do it, what God will do. Peter told the crowd there, when they asked him, when they realized the sin they had in their life and they asked Peter, what shall we do? Peter told them in Acts 2 verse 38, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ or by his authority uh, for the forgiveness of sins. He says, you want to have your sins forgiven, then in the authority of Jesus Christ, by his authority, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. We need to help people confront their sins, see that they have it in their life, and then show them what they need to do to be forgiven of their sins. And then also, as Jesus did here in this chapter, we must lovingly speak the truth to them, kindly speak the truth to them. Uh, as Jesus did here in this chapter, He was very patient with this woman in his conversation with her. He was very long-suffering. He was not harsh, but he was truthful. We need to follow his example. And be loving, be kind with the way we talk to people about these things. But also, uh, I guess, don't be... The temptation is, is, I think for us, is we often don't have any problems being kind but it's we, we are so concerned about hurting someone's feelings that, well, I don't know that I want to tell them the whole truth here. Uh, and that's challenging. Uh, to be as, as loving as the Lord and be as kind as the Lord, but, and also to be as truthful as the Lord. That's challenging. But we can do it. We just, we follow His example 
and see the way He approached her. We need to be loving and kind and also completely truthful. Jesus, here in this chapter, He was not so afraid that He might say the wrong thing to this woman that He just didn't say anything at all. Uh, and sometimes that's the boat, if we're not careful, we fall into. We're, we're so afraid that we might say the wrong thing that, well, I just I won't say anything at all to this person. We need, to, we need to follow the Lord's example on this. We think about doing this today. And today, you know, this might look like occasionally having some very difficult conversations with people about sin and about the truth. I can't imagine uh, that Jesus bringing up this woman's situation about the five, peop- the five men she had been with and now the one she was with and it seems they were just living together. I can't imagine that was the most comfortable thing in the world to bring up in that moment. You know, that's kind of one of those things that in our society, you know, even in their society, it's, you don't really talk about that kind of stuff. Uh, This was not maybe necessarily the most comfortable thing in the world to bring up, but Jesus brought it up in a kind but firm way because the woman needed to see this and to be confronted with it. We must always speak the truth in love and be kind. We must always tell others what God has said. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4 verse 2, he said, preach the word. Preach what God has said. Be instant or be ready in season and out of season when folks want to hear it, when folks don't want to hear it. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. And then the end of that passage, with all long-suffering and teaching. You know, the, the long-suffering part in lovingly speaking the truth to them. And I think it's our, in some ways, you know, something that we see You know, we've seen it from God's Word. And maybe we explain it to somebody once or maybe twice. And I think our natural reaction after explaining it a time or two, and maybe someone doesn't quite see it, is to feel like, well, why can't you see that? I see it. Why can't you see it? In teaching people, as Paul says here, as God says, preach the Word with all long-suffering and teaching. Know that... Know that when you start that conversation with that individual, I hope that they will obey the gospel after the first, second conversation you have with them. But go into that knowing this might be a very long process. And I think that will help us as we have these conversations with people, as we talk about spiritual things with them, as we share the living water that Jesus offers with others, the truth, the Word of God. I think that will help us to be more long-suffering, kind, and patient with others. The Samaritan woman here in this chapter, after Jesus has gone through all this with her and taught her and, and told her who He is, it's interesting that the Samaritan woman, she didn't even have to be asked to share the living water with others. She understood, in verse uh, Verse 28, the woman then, after she finds out who Jesus is, she left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? She didn't even have to be asked to do that. 
She understood that if Jesus was who he claimed to be, then others needed to know, hey, here's a man who has told me things that there's no way he could have known. He's claiming to be the Christ. Do you think this is him? Come and see if this is him. What about us? You know, as Jesus' disciples, we have received the living water. We have, uh, we have obeyed the gospel. Uh, as faithful Christians, as living for God, we have the hope of that life, that, that eternal life that God has promised to us, has offered to us. We have obeyed the good news of Jesus, and we have become his followers. So as we think about us, and the personal application, and the, the challenge for us going forward, is let us, as Jesus' disciples, as Christians, let us be like this Samaritan woman who she enthusiastically shared what Jesus was offering with others that she knew. Let us have that same, that, that same kind of desire, that same kind of drive to want to tell others about what God has done for us. As we think about how we can share the living water, I hope that as we have been studying John and I hope that as we have studied this chapter, we have seen some ways that we can do this. We have, we have grown perhaps in, in how we can do this and our desire to do this. Tonight, if you're a Christian and you consider your life in light of what God's Word says and you realize that you have not been living as a Christian should. You have let the world in. You have let sin back into your life. Then we urge you tonight to repent of those things. As we talked about this morning, we are to put off that old man of sin and put on the new man, walking in the light, living for God. Uh, if, if you've gone back to that old way of living, to that life of sin, we encourage you to make your life right tonight. You're not a Christian as, as we talked about earlier. Uh, when the crowd at the day of Pentecost, they realize that Jesus is the Lord, He is the Christ, He is the one that we need to obey, and He is the one who can save us. And they ask Peter, then what shall we do in response to who Jesus is? And Peter simply told them to repent and be baptized, be immersed. By whose authority? Well, by Jesus' authority. Why? Why do we need to do that? For the forgiveness of sins. 